0: It is Mother's Day so happy Mother's Day and Jody Turnbo our children's ministry director and mother and daughter are up here and um, we're going to do something a little uh, we hope it's special and cool and meaningful and spiritual because hey we're at church we're going to do uh, mom, moms are going to do a blessing on their children and that probably goes for grandma's too so and great grandma's so um so uh, Traditions are important, and I don't think our culture does a really good job at traditions. What do we got? Fourth of July, Valentine's, Christmas. Memorial, <laughs> National Donut Day. I don't know. There I is mean, National
1: Donut Day. That is So,
0: true. <laughs> yeah. So, we don't have a lot of traditions, and so we come to church, you know, and church makes traditions. So, uh, doing a blessing is a classic tradition, so uh, that's what we're going to do on the thing. So, but traditions become real important you guys with little kids uh you gotta find these kids love repetition so like i remember every fall in november um after the mosquitoes were gone we would drive like this is gonna be real low bar here okay (laughs) we would drive to the reservoir outlet did i tell you i grew up poor of Olathe, Kansas, the reservoir of Olathe. And we would have a family cookout with an open fire and hot dogs and Vescola. Vescola kind of dates me. Anybody, do I get a Vescola amen in the house? Thank you. So there's something, it's like taco via. It's not really good, but you just grow up on it. So, um, so anyway, um, and we would do that. And then my mom, I don't know what kind of magic she had, but we would look for arrowheads. Every year we looked for arrowheads in the creek bed, and she could find them every year. She could find a four-leaf clover or an arrowhead. I don't know what she had going, but it was spectacular. It was so frustrating because nobody else could find them, but she always found them. it makes you think, like, did she just carry one in her pocket? She
1: probably did. Anyway. That's a mom trick right so, there. That would be a mom, be right a mom thing. Like, oh, look what I have.
0: So, uh, <laughs> all right. Well, enough of me. So, uh, blessing. So, here's the way the blessing goes. This is a Celtic one. I know we have the Numbers chapter 6. The Lord causes his face to shine upon you and all that one. But this is a Celtic tradition one out of Northumbria. And it goes like this. I bless you. And then you name your kids. In the name of the, of the Holy Three. So, Celtic tradition loves the Trinity. And they kind of break it up and make it not sound like Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So listen to this. In the name of the Holy Three, the Father, the Son, and the Sacred Spirit, may you drink deeply from God's cup of joy, and may the night bring you quiet, and when you come to the Father's palace, may his door be open and the welcome warm. So you can tell it's sort of a nighttime type of a blessing, but you could do it any time. And so uh, Jody's going to do it because she's a mom, and it sounds really weird for me to do it because I'm not. And uh, so that's why she's going to. So here's what I'd like to ask you moms to do. So we have three tables set up in the back with candles, and I'd like for you to, to get up and go back and light a candle for your family, right? And then the, the blessing going to be on the screen, and we'll say it all together. All you moms will say it together. So you, you tracking with me? So this is something cool to do for your family today. So moms, go ahead right now, get up, make your way, say excuse me or whatever, and get on back to a candle for your family if you've got your little kids, you can take them with you. You can take your little kids with you because they're going to dismiss right after this. Right, Jody?
1: Yes. So yes.
0: we're going to dismiss. So if you want to take your kids with you, that'd even be cool. But going back, if you're a mom or a grandma, if there's not enough room, just make a second, third tier.
1: Yeah.
0: And just glob onto somebody else's can- candle. Like, that's my candle. <laughs> you know?
1: Look at all our mamas. Got a bunch of moms. Yeah. For those of you Make that, room, guys. for those of you that are at home, we've got tables in the back and people are gathered around these candles. So if you would like to do it's that a, at home, oh, right. perfect. Nice. So if you'd like to do that at home, you are more than welcome to.
0: Okay, so Jody, you're going to lead the moms yes. in the blessing. So yes. hey, you guys, hold your hands up like you're holding over your whole family. Yeah. Have you stand cool. right here? Yeah.
1: Here we go. I bless you, John, Sophia, and Nora, in the name of the Holy Three, the Father, the Son, and the Sacred Spirit. May you drink deeply from God's cup of joy. May the night bring you quiet, and when you come to the Father's palace, may his door be open and the welcome warm.
0: Amen. Amen. Thanks, Jody. Thanks, mom. That's cool. So, dismissal, you what, got dismissal yep. instructions? Yep.
1: So, here's the directions. Kiddos, we are going to have you exit out of the doors right back at the back of the sanctuary. Um, let's see. We've got kindling is going to the pre preschool two room. We have um, kindergarten and first grade is going upstairs to the upper room. Hold on just a second. Yes, you may. <laughs> Um, second through fourth grade is on the field. And then our trailhead kiddos, which is fifth through eighth grade, is in the conference room. So we'll see you after service.
0: Thanks, Jody. Thanks, moms. Moms, make your way back. After you get whatever you're to do with your kids. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Real time.
0: Well, faith is always more caught than taught, you know, and so if we can do a blessing and demonstrate it and kind of lead families that way, then that's the way it gets done. Uh, family traditions are all real cool. So, um, traditions tend to kind of be built off of stuff that's really missing in our culture. We're, we're really after wisdom, and we're lacking wisdom. We, we are a culture that doesn't really honor wisdom. We honor productivity and expertise Wisdom is rather elusive, and so this morning I wanted to teach uh, on wisdom out of Scripture as well as just our tradition. So, you know, we all heard Ben Franklin, which by the way, Ben Franklin, you know, never made up anything. He just compiled. Sorry to burst your bubble there. But Ben Franklin said, we want our children to grow up healthy, wealthy, and wise. Healthy, yeah, you get a good doctor, you get a good nurse, get a good medical plan, get some insurance, you can probably stay pretty healthy. Wealthy. Um, you know, if you work hard and you got discipline and you can show up, you know, they say 90% of life is showing up. You can show up, you can probably get a paycheck, uh, especially if you live in an American suburb. Uh, now, healthy, wealthy, and wise. That wise one, now that gets a little like, what do you mean by wise? That's the tricky one. So that's what I want to focus on this morning. So I propose that we oftentimes settle in society for thinking that parenting is about making kids into experts instead of sages, experts instead of sages. So, and that's good, being an expert's good, but I think we also miss out on the sage. Um, As parents, we know how to educate our kids, we know how to teach them how to get along with other kids, how to make them responsible. Uh, As parents, as an expert, we, you know, here's how you share your toys, here's how you put away your stuff, here's how you do your homework and do your reading and your math, and here's how you use a fork. Uh, make some cash Save some cash Spend a little cash Avoid the drugs and thugs uh, getting, avoid, How to avoid getting punched in the nose How to handle the opposite sex How to avoid getting punched in the nose by the opposite sex So this is how you teach your kid how to be an expert Yeah But what about becoming your child's sage How do we convey wisdom to a culture That has lost that bearing So if you're going on a journey, the expert knows the map, yeah? Expert knows what to pack, knows what you're going to need, knows that you're going to need, you know, toilet paper when you go camping, right? Experts know where you're going, but wisdom, wisdom teaches you how to walk when you're on the journey. Wisdom teaches you how to walk. It answers the how questions, not just the what and the where. Many times over in Scripture, Scripture declares, wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord. Surrendered and seated at the feet of Jesus. And we're not going to get far away from that this morning in our teaching. So since wisdom is so difficult to grasp, let me run you through then three roles as a parent. Or as a grandparent. Or an aunt and uncle. Or a cousin even. Okay? Especially when you're like sitting around the fire, right? With the family. Three roles, right? There is the poet. There's the priest. And there's the prophet. And every parent has to be a poet, a priest, and a prophet. Poet and a priest and a prophet. So let's just run through these. Here's what I mean by poet. A poet interprets the world. They interpret the world, or is, but they have to do it in a subversive way, in, a, in sort of a tricksy way. Like Emily Dickson, Dickinson said, she said, tell the truth, but tell it slant. You've got to find a way. So, a poet figures out how to do that. They figure out how to speak the truth about life and the world, but they figure out how to do it slant. Uh, in my personal experience, a lot of good old boys, and I'm going to call them good old boys, they're natural poets and they don't even know it. You know what I mean? So, But they know how to interpret the world and they'll tell you a story and then you know how life works. That's being a poet. That's how we understand it. Lots of music, especially country music, has a lot of poetry to it, and it's telling you about how life works. How, you know, your pickup truck and your dog and your girl. So, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) So, it's just always about that sort of thing. But they're telling you how life works. That's what poets do. Now, when I say poetry, that as a parent you've got to be a poet, I'm not saying it's got to rhyme and have stanzas and all that junk. That's not the kind of stuff I'm talking about. I'm talking about how you imagine interpreting God's world for your children. Poets interpret God's world all around us. So, for instance, when your child asks, Mom, Dad, what makes it thunder? Like last night. What makes it thunder? And they're crawling in your bed and all that stuff in the middle of the night. Now, an expert would answer, what makes it thunder? They're going to tell you all about, like, stuff I can't remember. Uh, Like, stuff about uh, energy and ions, electricity, and positives and negatives, and up there, and then it strikes, and... And then the air gets split, and then it rushes back together, and it makes a big clap of thunder. Am I pretty close? Like, okay. So, um, so that that's what the expert does. But what does this poet do with thunder for their child? What do they do? You know, uh, by the way. Uh, so when we were raising our kids, we on PBS there was this little show called Caillou. Is that still on Caillou? What a terrible child. No, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, he was. He was a brat. Anyway, all right, I'm over that. Did we cut that out of the film? So so Caillou. So they had a telescope in the Caillou episode, right? And so they're looking at the stars. That's cool. And Caillou's throwing a for a tantrum, I'm sure. uh, And so Dad is tucking Caillou into bed that night. And Caillou asks his dad, and he says, Daddy, why are there stars? Why are there stars? And here, this tells you a lot about our culture. Here's dad's answer to why are there stars. Wait for it. Uh, cut to next scene. Either they didn't have time in the episode, but my hunch is, is that most of us in culture just say, like, why are there stars? And we all go, uh, right? So what would the poet do with that? What would the poet tell their child at night? The poet just speaks of the terrifying beauty of lightning and thunder. That storms are awesome art. God's poet creatively interprets creation in terms of the creator. They move to metaphors of art. And like life is a movie. And the thunder is a soundtrack. And it's the special effects. And God just loves it. He just thinks it's just, that's just super cool. The thunder lets us know that we're small. And that life and God are bigger than us. And I feel small when the thunder cracks loud. But God's right next to to us, the poet says to their child. Words like majesty and God's voice should come to mind for the poet. I don't think it's hard to imagine. The poet requires this turning, this turning of one's mind toward the face of God. They move into the realm of imagination, if not even contemplation. This is part of what the Apostle Paul means when he says, you know, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind out of Romans chapter 12. It's the renewing, not just of your mental thing, your expert side, it's the renewing of your soul, of of your heart, of your entire being. Bring all of that being renewed. Capture this. Don't just turn being a, a, a parent into being a life expert, like some sort of life coach thing. This is about interpreting the world around you in light of God's creation. This is what we mean by renewing your mind. Uh, Old Billy Graham, it's long gone, but Billy Graham, I still remember a quote from Reverend Dr. Billy Graham, and he said this years ago. He said, I read five Proverbs a day so I know how to relate to man, people. And he says, and I read five Psalms a day so I know how to relate to God. There it is. The Proverbs, that's the expert stuff. Proverbs is gonna tell your kid, you're gonna read the Proverbs, you're gonna say like, Uh, stay away from these people, stay close to the good people, don't get involved with that, work hard, sleep hard, eat your food. And then you read the Psalms, and they're the prayers of God. And this is David and others crying out to God, saying, like, how come life didn't turn out the way I thought it was going to? I see your beauty everywhere. I'm going to praise you. I have enemies. Tell me how to be with the world. So we need both. We need the Proverbs and the Psalms. Billy Graham was right. So this is what we want to do. We want to be a poet for our our children. We want to uh, train our kids so that they're like the little guy who was standing in front of the front door during the thunderstorm, the lightning storm. And a huge flash came, you know, big thunder. And the little guy just didn't move, didn't flinch. He just stood there in front of the door and he goes, God just took my picture. Like, There's a poet, man. That kid's got it. He understands the way things work. He's not trying to get a science explanation. He's just saying, like, gosh, take my picture. It's all cool. So, we want to be God's poets for our children. And you'll have to slow down. And you'll have to take a walk in the woods. And you'll have to watch the sunset together. And you'll have to watch the, the pond. And you'll have to listen. You'll have to pay attention to all the little stuff. This is why, you guys, to be a soul is to slow down, it's all about slowing. If, if anything happens on Mother's Day, it, it's about slowing down and just being together. You don't have to have a big plan. You just have to hang out. It's that simple. Slowing down and we, be all become, we all become poets. We become souls, right? That's what we want to do. So, you know, channel your inner caveman or cavewoman and watch the fire. It's just got one channel. It's kind of boring. But, man, it'll change your life. You know what I'm saying? Staring at the fire. K-Man television. It's good stuff. We need poets. All right, so moving on. We have poet, priest, and prophet. So here's the priest one, a little shorter. Uh, the, The parent as priest ushers the child into God's presence. So if the poet was interpreting, then the priest is Pragmatic. They actually structure the prayers. This is the bedtime blessing. This is the bedtime prayer. This is the the prayer before the meal. This is the the going to church, the participating in things like around here. You know, on the wall, we got the milestone stuff. This is the priest ushering the children, the people, into the presence of God and structuring the whole thing. Okay? That's what the priest does. So, now, there's just a little bit of caution in the priest one, in the priest role. Be careful... Of when you're teaching your child to pray, that you don't turn your, your child's image of God into that God is a vending machine. That God is just folk religion. That he's magic. That if you just rub the lantern hard enough, then a genie named God is going to pop out and grant you three wishes. Like, be careful, because I really feel like we're in danger these days of any kind of religion we have, of turning it into folk religion which is not Christianity at all. It's barely any kind of religion at all. So it just turns it into wish fulfillment and sort of uh, how can I get what I want out of a God who seems to be this old dude with a long beard who's sitting around waiting for somebody to do something wrong and then throw a lightning bolt at him like Zeus on Mount Olympus or whatever. So we don't want to make that, give that sort of image of God to our children, and you sure don't want to threaten your kids by saying God's going to get you and that sort of thing. That'll ruin... All sorts of image of God for your children. Now, that all to say, you certainly want to supplicate and petition God for what you want. But as priest you, and priestess, you have to then say, but that doesn't mean you're always going to get what you want. Quoting St. Jagger. So, you know, <laughs> you don't always get what you want. And, that, that, and then you've got to keep that same God. And that's the way it works. That's the way it works. So otherwise, you're going to fall into a folk religion. So Jesus is, is telling people that the Father is loving, right? Ask for anything you want. And out of his great love, he hears you and God acts. Of course, most of the time, the answer is nothing like what you really wanted because God knows what you really need, not just what you want. The poet and the priest and the prophet interpret these answers with the child. And the priest trains the child how to beseech heaven. How to beseech heaven. But there's this other half of prayer in the listening side. As old Eugene Peterson once said, he says, prayer has to be a response to something God has said. Prayer is something in a response to what God has said. What God says causes us to pray. Well, you better be sitting at the feet of Jesus. In order to hear the voice of God. So if you want to be a spiritually if you want to spiritually lead your child, you're going to need to listen to God for yourself. You've got to learn to recognize the voice. This is training up the parent in the way they should go, as we should train up the child in the way they should go. So the poet's the artist, but the priest is the pragmatist. And in his deep prayer, Jesus cries out to God Not my will, not my will, but thy, thine will. Not your will, God, not my will. Parent as priest not only teaches the child, you can ask God anything. But the priest also teaches the child, yes, and when you ask, when you ask, you will always get something from God. And it just may not be what you expect. This will make your child have a larger God than just a Santa Claus genie type God. Very important. Understanding that children are thinking much more black and white terms and aren't very gray about things. And that's just Developmental. But nonetheless, they have to begin to be exposed to the idea that God is larger than just some sort of genie in a bottle. Okay, so manage your way through that one. Lastly, then is prophet. We got poet, we have priest, we have prophet. To be the prophet for your child means that when you're watching the game on television and the car ad comes on, the prophet interprets the ad like this. Hey, kids." You think if we bought that $45,000 SUV, you think then when we got in it that we'd instantly be driving through mountains and jungles like they are in that commercial? Or do you think about 99.9% of the time we're just driving to hy v? You think we need the $45,000 SUV to drive to hy v? Kids sitting there, they don't say anything right because they're still trying to look for a loophole. Like, I think maybe we could have a really cool car. Actually, most of the dads are all sitting there thinking the same thing. So, uh, but, you know, the prophet then interprets the world around him. They Prophets, just like in Scripture, they look at culture and they say, this is right, this is wrong, this is the will of God. God shows up and comes crashing into the world. What's wacky and wrong with the world? The voice of God comes in. That's what a prophet does. They speak that, that truth. And oftentimes, they have to use all sorts of symbols and stuff. But they're constantly interpreting. They're the interpreter. If the poet uh, is interpreting, then this is a different kind of interpretation. The prophet points out the truth behind all the slick ads in the world. So your kid doesn't get duped into just buying into being a consummate consumer. The prophet declares the kingdom of God and challenges culture's status quo. The prophet speaks the mind of God. So spending time with that voice of God is very, very important. So this gets a little bit tricky at this point. So be careful or the prophet will be seduced by the false God and the false prophets. And we don't want to make the Bible out to be, you know, a slave for our own comfort. So we don't want to do that sort of thing where you start getting into some sort of health and wealth doctrine about like if you just pray about it, then God's going to give you everything. Like that's not prophet. I mean, not that kind of prophet. It's the other kind of prophet. So we have to be careful on this one. So let me show you how the prophet role works then real quick. So let's just take something like the golden rule. You want to, your kid knows the golden rule, right? You've, you've jammed it into them. Golden rule. You don't even have to go to church to know the golden rule. You know, right? This is out of Luke chapter 6, verse 30, uh, 31. Uh, the golden rule says, Do to others as you would have them do to you. Standard parenting tool in the tool belt, teaching your kid, Do to others as you would have them do to you. Every parent knows this. This is standard stuff for how to, you know, share your toys and. How to borrow money and how to get through, you know, avoiding a fight or something like that. But when you read the entire context, these are words right from Jesus. You read the whole thing, like down to verse 36, from 31 to 36. You read the whole thing. There's a lot more to it. Uh, We move from the golden rule expert to the wise sage of God's almighty prophet. So the punchier line really is down about verse 36, which says this. Be merciful just as your father's merciful. This is even beyond just the golden rule. This is Jesus saying, be merciful just as your father's merciful. God not only just operates on justice, you know, doling out whatever punishment for the bad and reward for the good. It's not that simple. God's merciful. Mercy comes upon people who don't deserve it and haven't earned it. Mercy is what we ought to be teaching our child. Renounce the world's way in a this for that. Don't buy into the culture that says, get even. Instead, the Christian child moves to a place of compassion and mercy and grace. They become those kind of human beings that change the world. This is the heart of wisdom. Speak it prophetically to our children, and they'll gain God's eyesight perspective on the world. They become wise. Perhaps someday, if you do this well, and you participate and train your child up to be wise, then perhaps someday you end up with a Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. in your child or a Reverend Dr. Billy Graham or Mother Teresa or a William Wilberforce or an Abraham Lincoln or a Sojourner Truth or a Clara Barton or a Jimmy Carter. You end up with a child that goes well beyond you because a foundation was laid of wisdom And then God's calling comes upon their life and they do spectacular things. Most of the time, nothing terribly famous like the names I just said. But they make the world a better place. Anyone can become a life expert, you're right. What we really need out of our children are wise sages, poets, priests, and prophets, artists, pragmatists, interpreters. Parents answer the huge all-time philosophical question. And don't miss this one. Parents answer this massive philosophical question. What do I want? Or more precisely, how do I go about wanting? And this question, the world has no answer for. But Jesus does. How do I go about wanting? This is your calling, moms, dads, everybody else in the family. This is how we're raising children to change the world. So, enjoy your Mother's Day. But remember, tomorrow you shape the world by shaping little people into the image of Jesus Christ. That is your calling in life. Amen?